0: in each episode, we discuss the process of decision-making on a different topic from the business owner's or executive's perspective. We aren't necessarily telling you what to do, but we can put you in a position to make an informed decision on your own and understand when you might need help along the way. My name is Mike Blake, and I'm your host for today's program. I'm a director at Brady Ware & Company, a full-service accounting firm based in Dayton, Ohio, with offices in Dayton, Columbus, Ohio, Richmond, Indiana, and Alpharetta, Georgia radio are sponsoring this podcast, which is being recorded in Atlanta for social distancing protocols. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast aggregator, and please consider leaving a review of the podcast as well. So today's topic is um, actually a continuation of a prior topic or a, a previously recorded topic, which is should I mix my faith with my business? And this will be part two. In part one, we had, I thought a, a, a tremendous discussion with Bill Leonard and Jonathan Minnen, who are from the uh, Christian and Jewish faiths respectively and uh, you know really I, I really appreciate it, and I hope you as listeners appreciated the fact that they were very open about how they came to approach Mixing their faith with their business, how it impacts their business, what that decision process looks like, and I think that we learned a lot. Um, but to be candid, in an ideal world, I wanted to have this be a little bit broader than that because there's sort of um, the there's another uh, faith. I mean, you could say there are many faiths that are missing, but I think a faith that was obviously missing, and that was d- due simply to scheduling uh, constraints, is uh, Islam. And you know, Islam. I think I'm not going to claim to be particularly knowledgeable about it. Um, you know, I know what I've read. I know what I studied in college five million years ago. Um, but that's about it. But you know, Islam has a, a, a different, or certainly a, a very identifiable place in American society. And you know it's different. I think it's much more prominent now in the United States than it was, say, 50 years ago, or even 30 years ago. And I think that the, that people who pro, who practice Islam face different challenges and maybe even different rewards. We'll find out from our guest. But I think I think there's a different relationship with business in general. I think there's a different relationship with Islam and mainstream American society than. Uh, the Jewish and Christian faiths have. So, to be perfectly candid, I, I just felt like this conversation was not complete without getting a view from uh, from the Muslim perspective. And uh, I hope you'll agree that it's, it's it's worthwhile. So, we've never done a two-parter before. Um, we didn't necessarily have a cliffhanger or anything, but I do think that I I do think that this is necessary to have a more comprehensive and and complete discussion. So, uh, joining us today is Sumaya Khalifa, who founded Khalifa Consulting, a strategic intercultural and leadership consulting firm back in 2007. Her career spans more than 25 years in human resources, management, business management, and ownership, nonprofit, and entrepreneurship. Khalifa Mm -hmm. Consulting specializes in helping executives and organizations succeed when doing business across cultures by providing them with the most relevant, practical, and up-to-date cross-cultural coaching and training. Along with a group of Atlantans, Sumaya launched the Islamic Speakers Bureau of Atlanta back in August 2001. We'll talk about that. That's an interesting uh, uh, date. As, As the current executive director of ISB, she serves the Muslim and wider community by building bridges of understanding, creating interfaith partnerships, developing community leaders, and creating spaces for mutual understanding and respect. Under Sumaya's leadership, the ISB has developed its core programming and launched other key initiatives, including ISB Leadership Institute, 100 Influential Georgia Muslims, and 40 Under 40 Georgia Muslims. In 2017, Sumaya created a partnership with the Atlanta Mayor's Office to host ISB's first ever Ramadan Iftar, hosted at Atlanta City Hall, and in 2018, the second Atlanta Mayor's Iftar, iftar, excuse me was attended by over 250 people. Sumaya has received many awards and recognitions for her work with the ISB, including Academy of Women Achievers of the YWCA, the Arab American High Achiever Award uh, of the Alif Institute, City of Atlanta Phoenix Award, the FBI's Community Leadership Award. That's interesting. We'll have to get back to that. She's a citizen diplomat for the U.S. State Department and and numerous other uh, recognitions, but but you get the idea. She's uh, highly accomplished, and highly recognized for those accomplishments, and we are fortunate. And I am so glad she agreed to come on the podcast. Sumaya, thank you for coming on the program.
1: Mike, it's my pleasure and honor. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So, um, before we get into this, I want to I want to ask because I think this is really important. The FBI's Community Leadership Award. Tell us about what led to what led to being recognized by the. I assume it's the FBI, like. When I recognize, Federal Bureau of Investigation as some other acronym, um, what what led to that?
1: Yeah, so um, that was uh, quite an experience. I got to uh, actually travel to uh, to their headquarters and receive the award by then FBI Director uh, Mueller, and um, it was quite an experience being there and touring their facility and uh, just seeing what's there. Um, I was part of their outreach, diversity and inclusion outreach uh, team that we we had for several years, <coughs> years ago, and, um, and uh, they recognized the work that the ISB does here in Atlanta in terms of building bridges, and they felt like that was uh, something that is much needed, and uh, they recognized me for the work. So I was, uh, again, very fortunate and uh, uh, gotten a lot of awards and, and recognitions that I wouldn't have dreamt of many years ago so uh, again very lucky and very fortunate
0: well congratulations and and thank you for your service to our society so you. um you know i i i've I, i've studied islam about as much as i needed to to graduate from college with a liberal arts degree um and i know it's a it's a highly complex um religion but how would you describe your faith i think you can do a much better job than i ever could
1: yeah. So it's not as, you know, it's not any more complicated than Christianity or Judaism. The three faith traditions are monotheistic religions and they're Abrahamic traditions. So there are a lot of similarities between the three. Um, In terms of the uh, essence of Islam in the word itself, it means peace, uh submission to the will of God and creating peace in the world. And, um, and the person, even, even Muslims, when they greet each other, they have a covenant that they say to each other, and that is, may peace be upon you, which means that you will not get anything from me but peace, whether it's um, in in interactions or talking about you or anything at all, it's, it's peace. So it is a uh, misunderstood religion. It is a religion, unfortunately, that a lot of people associate terrorism with. I, and I love talking to groups and asking them, you know, what comes to mind when you hear the word Islam and Muslims? And um, sometimes people are, uh, don't want to say it. And I, I say, hey, how about the T word? Does that come to mind? Do you hear it? And, um, yeah, they do. And so the two misconceptions about uh, Islam that I hear all the time is that um Islam is associated with terrorism. All Muslims are terrorists, and uh, the other one is that all uh, women are oppressed. And I have a lot of fun with the second one because I ask the audiences and people, "Do you think I'm oppressed?" And they look at me and they say, "Whoa!" So you should ask my husband. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, we have a little fun with that. But um, absolutely, it is. It's a religion that people don't know about, and um, a lot of times when they hear about it, it is in a very negative sense. There isn't. Um, a face of Islam that is carried throughout our, our our country and our communities that portrays the you know the the, the good that Muslims do um, and Muslims like any other group of people Christians included Jews and Hindus and others there is the good the bad and the ugly.
0: So you um, you know, you <clears throat> made a, a, a an interesting decision and a conscious one, not just to really connect your faith with your business, but to build a business, if you will, around your faith, right? A lot of it is around uh, educating individuals, companies, organizations uh, about Islam, about inclusiveness um, uh, with people who practice uh, that faith and others. I know it's not just limited to that, but certainly it's, uh, it is it is sort of the headline. So what what drew you to that? I mean, you're a very capable person. You, you could have done, I'm sure, anything that you wanted. What drew you to to make that your mission?
1: Sure. Um, I just want to make a distinction here. I, I wear a couple of scarves, if you will. So <laughs> I have a nonprofit versus hats. Um, the, there's a nonprofit that I started in 2001, along with a group of people who wanted to do something about building bridges of understanding, because what we saw then, and it's still happening right now, is that people speak about Islam and Muslims, and they have, not a good idea and not a correct idea about Islam and Muslims. They don't know about our community. So we wanted to train people within the First Amendment guidelines of teaching and not preaching to be able to speak about Islam and Muslims, to have um, embody, you know, they're my neighbor, they're my coworker, et cetera, and, and really building that connection between people. And so that is one thing that was started in 2001. And at the time, I was in corporate America doing human resources, Right. So thinking back about that journey and what I did then, and I just can't even comprehend how I did that while having a full-time job in corporate America. So that's one thing that I felt like was necessary to build bridges of understanding. And it wasn't about promoting the religion. It was just to understand each other and build a stronger community. People don't fear others. So that's one of the things that I do, right? The other one is, is a business, and that is Khalifa Consulting. and the the um as you mentioned in the introduction it's to help people understand the business they're getting into to understand the culture for them to be successful um political consulting has many consultants that cover the whole wide world so if if we have a client that's going to germany we have somebody who can do germany china russia what have you there's that network of consultants who cover the whole wide world because of my own background my own Um, cultural background, my own upbringing, I offer the training and the consulting and the coaching on the Arab world. And as you know, the majority of the Arab world is Muslim. And so we talk about Islam and how it impacts um, their business and what do they need to be aware of. Uh, Anything from gift giving, you know, don't do pork or alcohol, uh, to the holidays, to, uh, you know, how people communicate. And that's not religion, it's, it's more culture. So um so those are the two distinctions in terms of the business piece and the and the nonprofit work. Uh but it it's like you said, both of them are about helping people understand in different circumstances. With the ISB, it's more about community and community building, and Khalifa Consulting is about the business world and helping individuals, leaders, and, and organizations be successful as they interact with different cultures.
0: So yeah, and and understood. Yeah, there is a uh, <clears throat> there's, there's a cultural component, religious component. and While they are, they're certainly separate. They 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 frequently are are quite closely linked. Um, and so, what I'd be curious to understand from you is is this: is that it, are, are there ways that the way in which the way you conduct business is maybe different from what kind of a garden variety if if this can even be said, but a garden variety American business is conducted because of your desire and the importance to you of being true to your faith. Does it does it manifest itself in the business does does Islam manifest itself in the in the business itself? Um I hope I've asked that question in a way that you can understand.
1: Yeah. Um I think each and every one of us has a moral compass. And that moral compass is the faith tradition that we adhere to, right? And it, it whether we realize it or not, it, it kind of helps us navigate through things. Uh, for instance, you know, being holding true to your word, um, keeping the um, the individual, valuing the customer, valuing yourself, um, telling the truth. And I don't think this is just uh, to Islam, but I think it's to to many faith tradition, treating people with dignity and respect, um, you know, not cheating people, et cetera, et cetera. And again, this is this is uh, in Islam as well. I'm, I'm sure it's Christianity and Judaism, Judaism and other faith traditions as well. So it is it is my moral compass. It is um it's probably unconscious, but it's there, it's how I'm kind of wired and um and again i believe that that's not just particular to me but it's to everyone else
0: so you chose to to name your firm uh khalifa consulting and i think to most people that you know they may understand that that's your that, you know that that's your 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 last name or your family name or not <clears throat> but it, it it clearly sounds like a name that comes from a region that practices a lot of a lot of you know islam at least fairly widely was that a conscious decision in the branding and and whether it was or not does it have you found that it evokes any kind of maybe preconceptions or stereotypes does it does it help you within the islamic community does it create barriers elsewhere talk about kind of how that's impacted the business if if it has at all
1: I love the question. So I'm going to tell you a story. Um, there was an event in Atlanta and a high up person in the Gulf uh, state was here to speak about their country and how opportunities are there, et cetera. And, um, you know, I, I I attended and I walked in and people saw my name who are not part of that country's entourage, if you will. And they saw my name and I was like given the royal treatment. And, and, you know, and I was just saying, what in the world is that? I was just like not, not really comprehending what was going on. But they saw my name and they thought I was part of the royal uh, clan for that country. And they just like took care of me. And, and after a while, I realized what happened. But yeah, I think the reason that I, um, I chose Khalifa Consulting is because when I started out, I was not sure how I was going to go. Right. In terms of what my business is going to focus on, because I have a wide uh, variety of things that I provide and do uh, all the way from consulting, coaching, uh, executive coaching and uh, human resources and the intercultural world, uh, diversity and inclusion. So I wanted something that kind of was an umbrella name that brought all those things under it. So that's the reason I don't know whether it was a, a, a smart way of doing it or not. But that was, that's how uh, I started. And because I started that way and I've been known in the marketplace as that, and I'm just continuing with it. Is there a better name? Maybe, but, you know, uh, moving forward with, uh, with Khalifa Consulting.
0: So I'm going to ask you a completely off the wall question because I'm a language junkie and um, probably a lot of our listeners will, will roll their eyes, but that's okay. It's my show. And that is, I'm curious, I'm curious if the name Khalifa, is at all related to the term caliph. Which implies some sort of uh of duchy or county or something of, of that nature.
1: Yeah. Um uh, Khalifa means vicegerent uh
0: okay. or
1: or the ruler. And so um within the Islamic tradition, the Khalifa is the leader of, of the of the group or of the family or 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 and you know, I'm just really lucky to have that name. I feel like, hey, all right, I need to live up to it. But uh yeah. Okay, and good. also Palifa means a means, uh, responsible person, right? Yeah. So um, it, it's um, God sent human beings to be their his vicegerent on earth so uh, human beings could take care of the earth, et cetera. So it has a, a title of um, of leadership, but it also has a title of true responsibility.
0: Well, good. Thank you for that. So that, that'll be our Duolingo diversion for the day. Um, so d- do you ever run into any kind of conflict or do you ever have to make any conscious decisions of, of where your faith starts and ends, where your business starts and ends? Do do you find yourself having to make decisions that, you know, maybe, maybe today I want to be less obvious or open about my faith or another day in another situation, I want to be more open about my faith. Um, So do you ever have to make those kinds of decisions? And if so, what goes into that?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really don't think about it that way at all. I am who I am. And um, I struggled with that for a long time. And it was a journey. I, I was born in Egypt, came to Texas as a teenager. I went to middle school and high school. And um, and throughout my early years, I really struggled with my identities. And I struggled with um, my Egyptian-ness, if you will, my Muslimness, and my Americanness, ness And it was like three three people in one. And those three people in one did not come out as three people in one to all people. Um, I would reveal parts of me that I thought people were comfortable with. So until I took that journey of being comfortable with who I was, that I said, hey, world, here I am. And this is when I started covering my hair. Um, It was shortly thereafter that I started the Islamic Speakers Bureau. This is when I really embraced who I was. It was not an easy journey. It was much, much easier not to wear a headscarf and to just kind of try to build in and simulate. And um, but I felt like part of me was being lost. Um, that besides um, the nagging of my mom, when are you gonna <laughs> cover your hair? Right? <laughs> when are you gonna cover your hair?
0: <laughs> parents will. Parents will always have a big influence on that. They sure do. So what was. I'm I'm curious, and if this question's out of bounds, we'll edit it out. But was there one particular incident that pushed you over and said, "You know what? Yeah, I, I wanna I wanna embrace this identity. I'm gonna I'm gonna wear the headscarf and 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 you know let strangers know that you know I'm a practitioner of Islam."
1: Yeah, I think it was more than a journey versus a a one incident that that happened that kind of got me to do that. Uh, I was listening to religious tapes about how women are supposed to do that. And by the way, women who do not cover their hair, who are Muslim there, it does not mean they're less religious. It's just they choose not to. So um, it was just that plus my mom. Plus, you know, I just felt like, hey, I'm not getting any younger. I need to do something about it. And and I did, and I have to tell you that was just like the most uncomfortable decision I ever made in my life. Uh, I did not know how to put the, the headscarf on. Uh, I remember I, at the time I was working as a, as a, uh, I was just gra- I was just finished my MBA, and I was working um, as an intern for for a major company. And um, you know, one day I went with with you know my hair, and then the following uh, Monday I went in with with the head covered, and people did not know what to make of me, and I had to do a lot of explanation. And as, as that was going on, my scarf fell off because I did not know how to put it on. And it was just like a real ordeal. And, um, you know, it's, even though it's a piece of cloth, it's a lot of psychological, um, getting used to and, and being able to be comfortable with it. And I wasn't comfortable with it for a long time. And I felt like people were staring at me and the whole nine yards, until I embraced it myself and, you know, started shopping for different headscarves. And that was something more to shop for. I got very excited about that. Uh, and, you know, that's when I, I, I bec- became okay with it.
0: Now, we, we had a previous conversation. You said something that I thought I think is fascinating. And I, I just did not know is that, is that not all scarves are alike. And the yeah. way that one wears it, you, you, you can identify somebody's origin. Um, from the Muslim world or how they practice Islam by virtue of how their scarf is is worn, correct?
1: Yes, 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 absolutely. And even what age category they might be from. It's it's fascinating. It's a fascinating uh, observation just to sit there and, and kind of look at women's scarves and how they tie them and what color and what's the material, et cetera. Now, I've discovered something since we talked. I discovered there's a COVID scarf. And the no. COVID scarf <laughs> is a scarf where people can put their masks on while having a scarf on. So the regular scarves that I used to wear would not allow me to put this really easily. And so I this is this is like this is now my COVID scarf because it allows to put on the mask and take it off easily.
0: Well, you know, one one adapts, right? So um Islam's been around a long time, so it's it's gone through many adaptations. This is you know another one of those adaptations i guess so um you 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 led off by by kind of pointing out the elephant in the room so i wanna i wanna put a bright light on it and that is it it strikes me that that having a business that is associated with Islam is different. From one that's associated with Christianity or Judaism, not only because it's it's less common and also more concentrated, I think, in certain regions of the country, but of course, um, America itself has had a troubled and and frankly, and I'm not going to get into the reasons why, but you cannot deny there's a violent relationship with uh, with certain we'll say certain elements of Islam, I guess, for lack of a better term, or at least conflict with conflict with individuals who have decided to brand themselves um, under the name of Islam in order to accomplish whatever social and political goals that they're, that they're accomplishing. And, you know, that that's, that's a little bit different, right? You're operating in a country that, that, you know, in, in some cases recently has been in a state of war, with is Islamic countries. And I will say this, I thought George Bush the first did a really good job of, of trying to make clear that we were at war with, with states that happened to have governments that claim to espouse Islam. And we were not, we were not pursuing war against the Muslim people. It's a very sort of dancing on the head of a pin there, but I do think he made a good faith effort to try to communicate mm-hmm. that. But, you know um, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's gotta be different, right? I mean, you know, America not, America right now does not have a um, does not have a military conflict with a a, a Christian dominated or a Jewish dominated nation, um, but but America has had that, and I think it you know it it necessarily creates I think certain tensions, certain preconceptions. I think even unfortunately among certain people a um, a starting point of of suspicion and hostility. Um, one, I guess, do you agree with, do you agree with that observation? And two, if so, how do you, how do you work, how do you work within that? How do you, how do you survive mentally in mm-hmm. that kind of, in that kind of environment? Cause I can only imagine how difficult that must be.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, in terms of the conflict between the U.S. and um, and uh, Muslim majority countries, uh, that is a debate that people can have. Uh, is it really a conflict? Or you know, uh, we talked about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, and and after so many years, we found that there were no uh, weapons of mass destruction. Um, and so, you know, there there are a lot of debate going on about about the validity of of uh, of the conflict that we are part of. And claim for it to be because of whatever. Um, right. So let's put that aside. But what I want to say, what's really here and now that is a very troublesome is the Muslim ban. When we have a Muslim ban and I walk down the street with a headscarf on, that puts me and my fellow 12 million Muslims, American Muslims, in jeopardy. Because people are getting a message from the highest office in this land saying Muslims are, are a danger to our country and our society. So that is truly uh, something that hits very close to home, Um, you know, and, and, um, you know, I could talk uh, for a long time about that, but in terms of the business itself, it's not about just Islam and Muslims, Khalifa consulting. It's about cultural understanding for the whole wide world. And it's not just me. It's, it's, I have about 10 or 12, um, colleagues who cover, again, the entire world. But when it comes to the part of the world that I handle, which is the Arab world and the U.S., um, people want to come to us because we know um, how to help them to navigate in that part of the world, um, in the business world, so they could be successful. I have uh, worked with so many different uh, organizations u.s organizations that their market in the u.s is is basically shrinking and the only way for them to expand is to go to emerging markets what they call emerging markets and the arab world with over three um three hundred uh, four hundred million people it's it's a very um opportune place for many of the businesses whether it is um you know, in the uh, car business or the automotive business or uh, defense or food or or or. So it's 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 a business decision. It's not about the faith. It's not about anything. We talk about the faith as part of them understanding what they're getting into, because you don't want them to schedule meetings for Friday. Why, why aren't our the Saudis or the Egyptians or 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 coming to our meetings on Fridays? Well, it's because it's their holidays. Their their weekly weekend. And so you don't do that. And this is just a very simplistic uh, example. I've seen people who, um, you know, uh, don't understand the different ways of communication. Americans tend to be more direct communicators. Uh, When you go to the Arab world, it's about saving faces to to uh, not put anybody in an embarrassment position. So how do we understand indirect communicators and how do we, um, you know, bridge that gap between the two cultures? to run the business, to get to the bottom line, uh, to add to the bottom line and be successful. So it's not all about religion. It's, it's, it's about being successful in a different culture that is very different for many people to navigate through.
0: Before we recorded our show, um, uh, I, I got dressed because we're, we're doing video. And um, uh, my wife, I, I had originally put on a T-shirt that said, Got Bacon. And my wife said, Aren't you doing that interview with, with about Islam today? She gets, I go, Yeah. She goes, Are you really sure you want to wear that for this video? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, nah, maybe you're right. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do a quick change here. So
1: But you know, there is turkey bacon too, so there are always options. It's not all
0: uh all pork. There's turkey bacon. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. I had a yeah. chance to win an argument with my wife and I blew it. <laughs> okay. Well, at any rate, so but yeah, you know, it, it it it. You should have called me, Mike. <laughs> I should I should have, I should have. Um, so let, let me, um, let me ask this. You know, the the thing about, no, actually, there's one of this. This actually segues in the one of the questions I really wanted to make sure I got to. So, you know, bearing what you just described, you know, in mind, and to me, it reminds me uh, maybe a little bit of what it might have been like to be a you know, to be a Russian emigre here during the the height of the cold war, right? You're, you're here, but you're obviously from quote the other side. And and I, I have to imagine that, that, you know, that also had its own, its its own challenges. Now, the timeline for Khalifa consulting was you, you started in August of 2001, correct?
1: That's the ISB. Oh,
0: ISB. Sorry. The ISB oh, in yeah. 2001. That's right. Khalifa was 2007. Um so you you started that, and then a month later, the attacks of September eleventh, twenty o one occurred, Three weeks. and and pre- so so. I mean, walk walk through as as somebody who just launched a an Islamic com- commercial venture, and and feel free if you want to just comment on on being a practitioner of Islam at that time what's what's going through your head how does your life experience change what what are you thinking about your business
1: um you know when when you were talking about that my whole body felt like i was uh, there in september 11th uh, 2001 um It was a nonprofit that I launched. It was into business. It was a nonprofit educational outreach. Uh, We had our training on August the 18th, which was approximately three weeks before 9-11 happened. We had just uh, trained people to speak about Islam and Muslims within the First Amendment guidelines. They took their test, and we were getting ready to launch. Um, When the morning of 9-11, I went to my job, and um, I was in downtown Atlanta um, in the high-rise up on a, a very high floor, uh, heard the news about what happened in New York and in Washington, and um, I was scared. I was I was very scared. I was sad. I was angry. I I had no idea what was going on. Um, I was just thinking: the people who were killed are people like me who went to their work in the morning. And they were waiting to get home to their kids and their family. And guess what? They did not make it. And what was the reason for that? And it was a very, very tough day. I had three children. At the time, I still have them, thank God. They were in daycare and what have you. I was very worried about them. I was very worried about my husband. Um, There were talk about um, the terrorists were going to hit Atlanta because of CNN. And we were very close to CNN. Um, They pulled us all into a conference room to watch what's going on. And I, I mean, I'm talking about it right now and just my whole body feels the same way. Um, It was just very, very, very angry, very scared, very just, just uh, in despair. Why did that happen? Why, how could anybody do this? And then um, a few days later, we find out who did it. And I got even angrier. Because the people not only killed 3,000 people for no reason at all, innocent people, but they also hijacked a whole religion of 1.5 billion people. And so anger got even worse because what they did to a a religion in people. And we're still paying the price of this The horrendous stupid act that they did. I can tell you how angry I am still. And I hope they get what they deserve in the hereafter. Because human life is very sacred in Islam. And and taking innocent life is is, uh, just one of the worst ever transgressions in the religion. Nobody could call themselves a Muslim.
0: And do that. Yeah, I you know I, it's it's um, you know you, as an observer you, know, you try to you try to put yourself and as an interviewer you try to put yourself in the shoes of the of the person that you're interviewing, and um, you know I, I can hear I can hear in your voice how tremendously upsetting you know upsetting that that it must have been and continues to be, and um, you know like like the rest of us as a country. You know, we've, we've had to move on and the Islamic communities had to move on and, and, you know, attempt to build, attempt to build bridges. And, you know, in our society, some people have moved on, I would characterize more successfully (laughs) than others. Um, uh, but, but, you know, let's move and let's move on beyond that. You know, in spite of that, you know, um, I'm curious kind of in the wake of that attack, there must have been, I would hope that there was maybe even a rise of interest in the Islamic Speakers Bureau, because I think a lot of us, you know, I I grew, I grew up, I grew up in the, in the eighties and the the seventies. So I'm, when I was a child, I remember uh, the conflict with Iran, the, the the Iranian hostage crisis. I remember that there was a spate of, 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 uh, hijacks of american aircraft but that you know that that the whole the september 11th attack was was of course an entirely different was an entirely different animal it was in our land and, yeah well and, and, and in our land um against you know one of the most important symbols i think of american economic strength in many ways you could say at the heart of the country you know short of an attack on the white house or congress or something i don't want to belabor it but the point is, is that it, is that i think a lot of us were kind of left why right and 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 some of us seek answers in the why from you know we want to know who's responsible right who who overlooked opportunities to 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 stop this and there are many reports and conspiracy theories and whatnot i'm not going to discuss those those today but i wonder and I hope that maybe you saw a surge of interest in speakers after the attack as people kind of want to understand, okay, this this is horrible and it's probably going to lead to worse things down the road because you know the United States is not going to just not respond. Um, you know there's going to be a, a, a significant response. Um, did, did you see a, an increase in interest in people wanting to get your – your take and some expert opinion as to kind of what's going on here.
1: Yeah. So absolutely. When, when we realized who did it, et cetera, um, the, the, the board of the newly found uh, Islamic speakers Bureau or ISB, we kind of talked about what do we do? Do we kind of backtrack and like, we didn't exist or do we move forward? And the decision was made. uh, Fortunately that we needed to move forward and we started receiving Calls and, and uh, emails and, uh, you know, a lot of interest in people wanting to know, wanted to meet a Muslim, wanted to um, understand better. wanted to understand their neighbors, uh, etc. cetera. And um, one of the stories that happened right after 9-11 is of an Episcopal um, um, uh, pastor in, in Fayetteville, we used to live in Fayetteville, who reached out and said, uh, he called He called the number for the ISV and said, this is um, so-and-so, and and, and, um, I'm driving up to to the mountains, but I want to invite a speaker to come on. And um, he gave his numbers, but it was so mumbly towards the end, it was a bad connection, that Mm -hmm. the last three numbers didn't didn't come through. And I remember um, trying all possible three-number combinations (laughs) until I was finally able to get through to him. And um, and the, that friendship has lasted all through the years. He has moved on to different parts of the country, but we still st- uh, stay in touch and, and um, you know communicate very often. So there are a lot of silver linings uh, from from 9/11 as well as the tragedy and the heartache and the and the sadness that also came out of it. So absolutely there's there was a, there, and still is a silver lining from that.
0: So um, I'm going to switch gears here. Um, you know, sometimes you can see in, in some face that people try to, people can use faith at it, can use faith opportunistically in business. Um, and, I, you know, I've certainly seen it. I speculate that you've seen it, but I don't know. But I'm, I'm curious. So I'm going to ask you that question. You know, have you seen, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be related to Islam, I guess. But it, but since that was where your expertise lies, I imagine that's going to be your perspective. You know, is there a is is there a is there a temptation, or have you encountered where people have tried to somehow capitalize, um, kind of overtly on on presenting a faith because they think it's going to ingratiate themselves to a particular community and therefore allow them to address what they think is is an attractive market.
1: Yeah. um, You know, I am, um, I don't believe in that. I don't. um, I'm
0: sure you don't, but I'm sure, but have you seen it?
1: I'm sure I've seen it. I just can't think of an example right now. But, you know, I am of the the opinion and of the practice that, Everybody's free to believe in whatever they want to believe. Uh, All that matters to me is how you treat me and you treat others around you. And, um, and, you know, pushing anybody's faith on anybody else. I think that is so disrespectful. I really do. Um, I believe that people are smart enough to think through what's important to them and how they want to believe or not believe Um, in, in the business that I'm in, whether it's a nonprofit or the consulting it's whoever feels I'm a good fit for them and could provide the services that they need. Um, then, you know, let's, let's talk about it. But, but I don't feel like it's, it's the right thing to to use the business or the faith to uh, find, um, you know, be opportunistic. Are, are Can I ask you a question?
0: Yeah, no, you did. You okay. did. You did. Because I, you know, I, I have seen it. I guess I bring it up because, you know, I have, I have, I have overtly seen people, for example, that, you know, they'll go to a a Bible study circle, and yeah, you know, I know for a fact they do that because they think that that's a way to to yeah. generate prospects, um, and um, you know that 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 strikes me as, frankly, repugnant, um, and and repulsive and immensely disrespectful to to the religion. Um, and, and and really what I'm trying to get at is my hope is that that would be a, a, a unique case, but I'm not, I'm not quite certain that it is. And, you know, in some, in some, in some religions, in some religious communities, I think that there is a temptation to um, I think there's a temptation to present a certain faith because they think that's going to drive them business, mm. um, but they aren't necessarily themselves people of faith. And, um, you know, it just, it, it, it bothers me. And, and, but, you know, I I only, I've only seen that really in, uh, in, in certain communities. I'm, I'm just curious, because I have somebody here who's embedded very much in the, in the Muslim community, if if that's a phenomenon that you've ever witnessed.
1: Yeah, you know, you know,
0: universal temptation.
1: Got it. So, so for instance, um, you know, do real estate agents who happen to Muslim, be Muslim go to a mosque so so they could pass out their card, etc. I'm sure that happens all the time. Yeah, uh, but but for for my own business actually my clients are not within the muslim community itself whether it's the nonprofit or for my consulting it's people who are doing business outside the united states i um i don't, or or you know talking about diversity and inclusion and having muslims in the workplace and and that what are the reasonable accommodations and how do we do that and how do we understand them how do we um you know make sure everyone everyone under our roof as an organization feels comfortable valued and they belong so those are the the clients that I'm looking for, uh, people who need my help and and find me to be the com- most competent person to help them get to where they want to go.
0: So um, we're ca- we're talking to Sumaya Khalifa today of Khalifa Consulting and the Islamic Speakers Bureau, and we're talking we're g- doing a, a, a part two of our podcast on should I mix my faith with my business. And um, we're running out of time, but I do have a couple more questions that I, I'd like to, to squeeze in here. And, and one is, um, you know, is, is there a company that you admire that you know, is, is Islamic facing, if you will, it doesn't even have to be an American company, but is there a company that, that you admire that you think really gets it right, that, that maintains its commitment to its faith, but at the same time doesn't shy away from its faith and is at the same time is commercially successful?
1: That is a really good question. Um, I, you know, locally here, we have Chick-fil-A and, um, and I, I haven't been really associated with them on a professional level, but you know, their, their food is great. Right. And I love their food. And for me, lemonade, their lemonade is really uh, awesome. But, you know, I think diversity and inclusion, and I believe that faith comes under that is, is a journey, It's not that, hey, I've done this and this and this. Now we are there. There is never a there, right? It's always trying to get to being better and better and better. And so uh, I know there are many, many, many organizations throughout the country um, that are striving to be the best that they can be, but they will never get there because it's always changing. Uh, The environment is always changing you know, with, with the recent Black Lives Matter and and many other things that are going on, companies had to pivot. They had to uh, understand where they're at, where they're going, and what does the market need, and where do the employees need? And so it's it's a constant, constant journey. I don't think anybody would say, I made it and I'm there.
0: So um, th- this has been a great discussion. I want to thank you so much for being willing to come on and, and discuss some some tough topics to answer, I think some 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 challenging questions. Um, I'm sure people would like to learn more about you, your business, and maybe even want to ask more about this. Um, I, I have a feeling we have listeners that that practice Islam and are are wrestling with with this question. Um, can people contact you for more information and if so, what's the best way to do that?
1: Absolutely would love to hear from the listeners. Uh, my email address is Sumaya that's s o u m a y a at Khalifa, K-H-A-L-I-F-A, dot consulting. There's no .com, so Sumaya at Khalifa.consulting. And the phone number is 678-523-5080. And our website is Khalifa.consulting. For the Islamic Speakers Bureau, it's isbatlanta.org. Again, org. And again, looking forward to staying connected. I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook. So find me whichever way that makes sense to you.
0: Thank you so much. Um, That's going to wrap it up for today's program. And I'd like to thank Sumaya Khalifa so much for joining us and sharing her expertise with us. We'll be exploring a new topic each week, so please tune in so that when you're faced with your next executive decision, you have clear vision when making it. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider leaving a review of your favorite podcast aggregator. It helps people find us so that we can help them. Once again, this is Mike Blake, our sponsor is Bradyware & Company, and this has been the Decision Vision Podcast.